This is After School on Core 77. I'm Don Lehman. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably had the same dream as a lot of us. You want to make and sell your own thing. You may not even know what that thing is yet exactly. You just know you want to do it. And that can be daunting, maybe even feel nearly impossible. Well, you're in luck because today's guest, Rusty Meadows, is just the guy you want to talk to. Rusty is the founder of the Nearly Impossible Conference, an event for people who make and sell physical products that's set to take place this November 7th and 8th in Brooklyn. The event is geared toward sharing stories about overcoming the hurdles we all face when trying to bring our ideas to life. Rusty's experience comes from his role as manager of Tatley, a designy temporary tattoo company that celebrated its second birthday earlier this year. Stay tuned. Awesome. So what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's what I, um, I was trying to think. Where, you know, where should we start this story? Do we, um, do we start with Nearly Impossible? Do we start with Tatley? Do we start with what you were doing before Tatley? Um, you know, maybe what you had for breakfast. What you have for, bre- <laughs> what'd you have for breakfast? Um, I'm not sure that I had breakfast today. <laughs> yeah. I normally don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually either. Um, do you, do you only not eat breakfast, uh, during the week or to the weekend? Do you maybe have breakfast? Yeah. On the weekends, I, uh, I normally end up like grabbing a bagel or something just cause I feel like I have time to relax and stroll down to the bagel place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where's, where's your bagel place? Um, it's, um, on uh court street. Okay. And. It's not too far from me, but it will be soon. I'm moving into a new apartment next week, so. Okay, cool. What part of what part of town do you live in? Uh, I'm in Park Slope. Oh, cool. I'm moving to Prospect Heights. I'm in Cobble Hill now. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's so many cool neighborhoods in in Brooklyn. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. Coming from Chicago. Like the the way I always kind of frame it is that Chicago is more livable, but uh, Brooklyn's more alive, <laughs> and Manhattan is like a totally different beast. You can't even really compare it to anything else. But Brooklyn and Chicago, you can sort of compare it to each other. It's funny. Yeah, my roommate, he's from Chicago. Oh, really? Well, he lived there. He's I think he's from Indianapolis, but uh, he worked at uh, I think BBDO. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's um, let's talk. Let's talk. Um, what, Tatley. Let's talk Tatley for a second, because I think that'll lead really. I feel, I think that'll lead really well into uh, nearly impossible. Okay. Um, so, well, maybe in- introduce yourself a little bit first. Talk a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, so. I am pretty young. I graduated from college uh, not too long ago, only about two and a half years ago. Yeah. And um, do, you, do, you, do you do you feel uh, nervous telling people that? 
Um, not really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think uh, people are, are normally surprised when I tell them that, you know, I had just graduated uh, two years ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, I always felt a little like I was always trying to be older than I was. I really was, you know, because you try to like compensate for being young and inexperienced by saying, you know, you have you list out all these things on your resume that, you know, looking back at it now are kind of funny that you listed them out. But you're, you're doing a ton of stuff. You're- yeah, well, I, I actually it's funny. I feel like I talk uh, to a lot of people about that in the sense that there's been a really awesome shift, I think, over the last couple of years of moving from trying to be bigger than yourself to kind of owning up to who you are and what you do and, you know, that you're kind of able to either do it by yourself or with a small group of friends um, that I don't, I don't know about you, but um, when I was in school, I definitely had, you know, like a, a website for my quote unquote business where it was, you know, just the whole idea was to be bigger than myself so that I could potentially talk to a client or talk to someone to work with them. And I, and it didn't come across as just, you know, some kid that, uh, I always like to say the, the, we at, you know, blank.com. Mm-hmm. That was such a thing, you know, people said, Oh, email us, at, you know, us at, or something like that rather than, you know, yeah. like here's my Gmail. And I feel like that's where we're at now where people are, are really okay kind of being awesome, independent people. And it's okay, you know, that you're just someone that, you know, can get stuff done. And it's not like you have a huge company. It's that you're just, you know, you're doing stuff and it's you and, you know, you know what you like to do and you know what you're good at and that's what you focus on. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely find that that's something um, that is definitely more mainstream now. Um, I think just because of, you know, things like Twitter and the internet in general, being able to, to have such a, like a, a personality uh, versus before where you just tried to try to be bigger than yourself. Yeah, I feel like everyone seems simultaneously bigger and smaller now. You know, like mm-hmm. if, like if you think of like a big company, it's like they try to act really small and personal. And if you think of like a a smaller company, not like they try to act like they're, I don't know, Coke or something like that. But they're, you know, just the fact that they've got – if you have a nice website and, you know, you seem forthright and have a nice product, you seem a lot bigger than you are. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one thing that's that's pretty interesting. That's one of the you know leveling uh, aspects of the internet that it's all about presentation, and that if you're good at presenting yourself or your brand or your product, then you can be more successful than people that are a lot bigger than you and have a lot more money. Um, you know that the the idea that photography is such an important part of the internet, and um, you know, that, that even like a, you know, you go to, to big companies that have really terrible websites and they don't have any products of their photos or they're, they're terrible. And, um, you know, if they're competing against someone that's even a small business or an individual who is just really good at kind of telling their story and really good at being able to show what it is that they've made, that they can be more successful than them. Yeah. So what's your, what's your background? Um, I interesting background, I guess, in that uh, my official major in college was art history. Um, I come from, I think, a more of a curatorial role where uh, it's more about 
putting things together and seeing what you can make out of them, which I think has been pretty beneficial. Um, but I also studied business and marketing when I was in school. And um, I think that for me, I was always fascinated by that intersection of, of art and design and business and seeing you know, where you could play to the strengths of both of those two fields and make something fun happen. Yeah, it's really interesting that you are do you did both of those at the same time. So what did did you kind of force those things together when you were in, in school or or did you know how did people look at you then were just kinda of like, you know, who's this guy? Yeah, I think it was a happy accident that when I when I started college I knew that I was fascinated by art history and so I kinda of went like knee deep into it and I was pretty much finished with my degree after two years and I still had two more years of school to go and um, about halfway through I realized like okay well it's hard to get a job in this field um, so what's a field that is easy to get a job in or easier and you know like oh well if I do business then at the very least I'll always have a job um, so but I, I've come to learn that those two things could play really well together and that there's definitely a surge of uh, of people that are creative uh, visually as well as creative in the business world. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really fun to, to see that. And, um, you know, even, even just being able to see it when I was in business school that, um, that there are definitely people that exhibited those strings and they seem to be able to, to perform a lot better than the people that were just coming to it from a business angle. Yeah. So, uh, you graduated a, a couple of years ago. How did you get involved? Uh, well, maybe explain what Tatley is first. Yeah. Well, so Tatley is a designy temporary tattoo company, and our goal is to eradicate the uh, cheesy tattoos that you see. Our founder Tina Roth Eisenberg, who is who blogs on SwissMist.com, Swiss-Mist.com, uh, she just was tired of seeing her kids come home and uh, you know being covered in terrible clip art tattoos and being a designer you know she was like oh well I could have an impact on this and I was actually working with Tina before that pivotal moment happened and uh, I had come through what, what were you studios. doing with her? Yeah, so I'd come through Studio Mates, which is a co-working space that she founded here in Dumbo, Brooklyn. And I had been introduced to the community via another conference called The Feast, mm -hmm. which was a social innovation conference. People, companies that are that are doing good and doing well. <laughs> Yeah. So the goal was to make profit and have an impact onto society. Um, so I worked with Jerry Cho and Mike Conjernapricorn, who were the founders of the feast, to help execute in its second year. And um, Jerry's still working on it. They're about to do another version of it this year. And Mike has since gone on to start Kick or um, <laughs> Skillshare. Mm, okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I was working. I was working with Mike and Jerry um, remotely from college. I had sent a cold email to a hello at All Day Buffet, which was the name of the company that they had started together, and just said, "I like what you're you're doing. Is there anything I can do to help out?" 
Yeah. And I worked on a small project, and then um, we, you know, started talking and said, you know, what can I work on? And they had their conference that they were kind of both, they were both happy doing, but were happy to let someone else kind of do as much as they could. So sure. I helped um, produce that event for them that year, and then through that experience. Um, got involved with the Studio Mates community because Jerry worked out of Studio Mates. And then while I was in that space, I met Tina and had um, just gotten to know a little bit about what she does and some of the things that she was working on at that time. She Did really, you know her before or know of her before? I, I had known of her a little bit, um, yeah. but uh I'm not quite sure when I learned about Swissmas. Yeah. Um, and so when you're working out of the studio mate space, what does that, what does that mean? Did you just have a desk and you were doing your own stuff or you were working with someone else there or? Yeah. So Jerry, the uh, feast co-founder, she had a desk at studio mates and I was kind of just s snugged in beside her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, next to and, and Studio Mates is a great space. It's very open. There are a lot of really awesome, talented people that work out of here. I was lucky enough. I was sitting beside. I was sitting between her and Jason Santa Maria, who's a really awesome graphic designer. Yeah, very cool. And um, who I didn't know that was him for a really long time. And, <laughs> did, uh, did you know of him before you? I, knew, it was I him? knew of him definitely. And oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I used to check his website and read his blog. And then um, yeah, one day someone came up to him and said, oh, congrats on the Lost World's Fair, which was a project that he and Frank Camero had done and, um, and Weightship had done for Microsoft to show off some kind of new font features. And I'm like, hey, that Jason Santa Maria did that, not this guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's the Jason I'm sitting next to. And I'm like, oh, great. I've been reading his blog every morning beside him. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was, that was a really funny moment. Yeah. Explain, yeah, so, explain uh, studio mates a little bit because that's such a cool, that's another thing that, um, that Tina helped set up and it's kind of, you know, it's a good kind of introductory to kind of all the craziness that she gets into, I think. Yeah. So it's a co-working space, uh, at its core and, uh, which is basically, you know, a couple big rooms, desks, and, uh, a nice mix of people from different, fields, different industries, different backgrounds, you know, some people are coming, some people are going, and then there are a few people that have kind of been through the long haul, and uh, a great mix of people from writers to designers to developers, um, all kinds of different people, and now, kind of over the last couple of years, there's been kind of an evolution where people have begun to form companies and bring on other people. So now there are actually a bunch of kind of groups of companies where Tatley was part of that, um, where we had three or four people in Studio Mates. Creative Mornings, which is another one of Tina's ventures, has uh, four people that are working out of, the, out of Studio Mates. Editorially, which is founded by Mandy Brown and Jason Santa Maria, has a few people that work out of studio mates and, and there are a bunch of kind of little groups of company like small companies that are budding out of studio mates right now which is really fun yeah um but you know it's a great it's a great uh community where we have you know kind of smallish events that are you know all of us hanging out and sharing what we're working on getting advice looking for feedback all that kind of stuff so it's really nice to be able to to be surrounded by uh 
extremely talented and uh, passionate people. So you're sitting at your desk and you've got Jerry on one side and you've got Jason Santa Maria on the other. What, what point did uh, you get involved with uh, Tatley? So I briefly met Tina during my time at Studio Mates. Um, she's always a very busy person and I actually worked in a different room than the one that she works in. So, but I had met her a couple of times and um, after I was done with the feast and I was back home at college, um, Tina was looking for someone to help answer her submission inbox. <laughs> mm. So uh, I jumped on that and for about six months helped her clean out her submissions inbox and, you know, say, oh, this thing looks interesting. You should take a look at that. Or, you know, these things are all spam. I'll go ahead and archive those, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just, and that, that was kind of, I was the first person that had ever really worked for her in that sense. Um, and it, it was at a moment where she was having things kind of bubble up and realize that she wanted to do more stuff. She had taken a, a year sabbatical from client work where she didn't want to do any client work. She just wanted to work on her own things. And that had turned into an indefinite thing that she doesn't do any client work anymore. Um, and after I had been helping with her inbox and kind of a, other random things, um, it was a kind of the time where I needed to figure out what I was going to do after college and I really wanted to move to New York. So we kind of worked out that we were going to work together to start a Swiss Miss store, which um, basically that if you are familiar with her blog, she links to all kinds of really amazing products by, you know, a lot of time young designers that are just getting started and um, whenever she links to them, people go buy them. <laughs> You know, yeah. they uh, she has great taste, and people come for her for her taste and um, choosing those kind of things that they surround themselves with. So we thought that we could work with some of these young designers and make something that's um, just for Tina's blog or just for her readers, and we would sell that directly. We would just buy them from the designer and sell them and ship them out of the office and kind of see how it goes. We would do maybe one project a month and we would really focus on the person that made it and really focus on the story behind the product. Yeah. Uh, so how long did that last? So that, I worked on developing that for a couple of months while still doing the email stuff and kind of about uh, two or three months into that, we realized that all the products that we were doing were kind of on the more expensive side. They were all like $75 plus. And we were like, well, we really want something that anyone that reads Tina's blog could buy. And through that, you know, the, the realization from Tina that these horrible temporary tattoos were showing up in her house every day when her kids got home or from when her kid got home from school, that, uh, you know, maybe we could do something fun with that. So we reached out to a couple of designers and asked if they wanted to design one or two tattoos that we would put into the store. And after a while, we just realized that maybe we should just start with the tattoos. They're easy to ship, they're easy to make, they're easy uh, to store. And, you know, we, we just know so many really fun designers that uh, we could do something really great with it. So we shelved the store and we started working on um, Tatley kind of full-time and yeah. figuring out a way to, to get as many designers involved as we could and to kind of set up the infrastructure that would uh, handle that.
Yeah. I mean, th- it's sort of a crazy idea, right? And in like the best way possible, because I remember when I when, you know, because I, I follow her blog and I remember when she first posted about it, it was like one of those things goes, I can't believe she thought of this because it's like it, it's like once you think about it, like, yeah, of course, that's going to work. And it seems like she's like so good at doing that uh, of just kind of like pulling up these kind of like crazy ideas that are actually like amazing uh ideas that uh could potentially be profitable uh so she's got this idea for these temporary tattoos where where do you even look for a tattoo temporary tattoo manufacturer the same place you look for anything the internet (laughs) yeah right so um yeah i mean so so we when we first started i mean we definitely didn't think it was going to be a thing you know we thought it would be something that would be fun and would just be something to get us through the next couple of months while we work on the store. And you know, we were, we put up a splash page where we captured email addresses to let people know about the launch and kind of, you know, every day it just kept getting bigger and we're like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is cool. And, um, after we launched, we just, we just had a really good response. Um, it's interesting that Fab was kind of coming up at the exact same time. They were still invite only. I think they'd only been up for a couple of months. And they were kind of uh, helping show that, that that kind of community also exists and is willing to buy things. We did a few sales on Fab, which weren't as big even as the sales on our site. But, um, you know, just, just helped solidifying that community and knowing that people were out there willing to pay for good design, um, which was what we were going after for our for the store, um, but it definitely helped for Tatley as well. That we knew we wanted to focus on the designer. We knew we wanted to have you know like profile pages for every person that designs in Tatley, and that we wanted everyone to know who designed them. That that, that was kind of the big draw. That um, it was a lot more than something that you could just you know get off of Amazon or something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> the early days of this, yeah, I'm assuming that you and Tina and everyone else working on Tatley didn't have a lot of experience uh, producing, warehousing, shipping, physical product. Where did you start? Yeah, we we really didn't have any experience. Um, I, at the same time, I was working part-time at Tatley and part-time at another startup called Quarterly. Uh, which is a a subscription service for wonderful things. That's a tagline. Um, And it's basically something where you can subscribe to someone like Tina and get a package from them every three months. So I had helped uh, them start that company, and that was kind of the other thing that brought me to New York. I was doing half of my time with Tina and half my time with Zach and Craig, who are the founders of uh, Quarterly. Um, And we kind of went through some of the same problems. How do we ship these products? How do we you know, organize all of this, how do we source things, and uh, so it was nice to be able to kind of have two fronts to work on this. Um, but with Tatley, it was kind of fortuitous in the sense that they're really thin products, they're easy to ship. We ship all of our product via just USPS uh, first class mail. And that was very conscious from day one that we knew we were going to ship with postage stamps, we weren't going to ship with, you know, UPS or FedEx or anything like that. And, um, you know, we 
I did as much research as I could and tried to find the best options for us and um, you know whatever we could do that would kind of blow people away when they actually received the product because we knew that we were selling something that was definitely special but it's something that you know we could we could see people ordering and then getting it in the mail and be like, why did I order those tattoos? <laughs> uh, that we wanted to make sure that experience was as great as possible, so that they they were like, oh, that's why I ordered them because they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what's your? It, it sounds like your role is evolving at this point. I mean, you're obviously becoming a lot more important to the operation than than simply, you know, helping you know go through some submission emails and 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 research stuff. It sounds like you're taking on more of like a a management role at this point. How did that kind of evolve? Yeah, um, it was really interesting. I mean, that we none of us knew that it was going to take off, so none of us knew how it was going to scale or how anyone was going to do the jobs that they ended up doing. We had basically three people that were working on it: myself, uh, Tina, and uh, Yoko, who was our designer, who was Tina's designer at the time. It was split between Creative Mornings and Tatley, and Yoko and I kind of did all the orders uh, from day to day and, you know, printed out the invoices, stuffed the orders, shipped them out. I think our first day we had like 250 orders, which was just seemed like a ton of them at the time. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we definitely grew. Uh, within our first week, we got an email that was like, oh, can you send us your wholesale catalog? <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, sure. And then, you know, we looked up what a wholesale catalog was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and tried to figure out what that was and said, yeah. oh, wow, we need to package these. So, you know, we need to get started figuring out what packaging looks like for something like this. And do we need UPC codes? Can we, uh, do we, you know, where do we print packaging? How do we do that? Um, so, you know, it definitely was something where all of our roles were evolving just because we had no idea that it was going to take off. Yeah. So at what point did you start to think this actually could be a a thing? I think with the wholesale outreach that that was really telling to us that it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe there's a life for it after that kind of initial wave of people that are interested um, online. And so that that was definitely one thing that's like, hey, if we can sell, um, I think it was the, the, I think it was the Victorian Albert Museum or the the Tate Museum in London that reached out first. And we're like, oh, well, yeah, it kind of does make sense that we are focused on designers and artists that maybe we can sell these in museum shops. Yeah. You know? And um, so that was something that like, oh, well, well maybe there is like a, a way that we can sell these outside of online. And also just the response that was online that, you know, our sales actually grew after the first couple of days and that was really exciting. And um, seeing that more and more press were writing about them that we got picked up by like the New York Times, we got picked up by, um, you know, even sites like Gawker and Atlantic and obviously design publications. And, you know, we're like, wow, you know, every time these people post, we get, you know, more sales. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that was something that, again, was um, was intriguing. So we started working on developing more products. We somehow got ourselves into the the rhythm of releasing a new product every week, um, which is pretty insane. It is very insane. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you how why... do you deal with that? 
What, what, what happens to you can release a new product every week? I mean, it's more just, you know, kind of looking forward and making sure that we have a bunch. We launched with 12 designs and we had, um, we had about 20, I think, that we knew that we wanted to make and that we had already made. So we, we knew that, like, if it's successful, we can have a few more to, like, trickle out over the next couple months. But um, once we had launched and, you know, the, the success was doing well, uh, that we, we just decided, all right, well, let's just put the new ones out there, you know, every week. And after the initial launch, we knew we had to find more. So we started reaching out to new designers. We reached out to some of the more successful ones out of the, out of the 12 that we launched with and um, just started growing it like that. So now we're, we're kind of in the same boat where we have, our, we have our roadmap planned out probably over the next six months. And we um, you know, work with artists that we know and love to make new stuff and play around with uh, new products. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Tatley? Ooh, I don't think I have a favorite Tatley. I have two that I've designed, so I, I think that I would be okay if I said that those <laughs> are the ones that I gravitate towards. Um, yeah. But besides that, I mean, that I, I love how broad our reach is as far as graphic styles, content. You know, we have everything from words to chickens to... Um, uh, to bikes and robots and astronauts, we have all kinds of stuff. It's really, it's really fascinating that we've been able to um, to include such diverse subject matter, but make it still feel like it's all part of the same brand. Yeah, yeah. My my uh, wife Lisa was at the uh, um, the Fast Company conference last mm. week, and uh, I think everyone got. Were there tatleys and grab bags there or something? We had a table. We had we had staff there that were applying them to people. Yeah, and so she came home with uh, I think it's the uh, Frank uh, is it Chimera or Chimera or I forget. Yeah, yeah. it's Frank Chimera. Yeah, yeah, Chimera, and he and he's got the uh, yeah that node looking one, and, and she was getting comments on it all weekend. I don't think it's washed off yet. <laughs> I think that thing really sticks on, but yeah, they look they look great, you know, and they 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 really kind of. Uh, I think it's perfect for designers because it's it's one of those things where I don't think I could ever get a tattoo just because I know I would be bored of it within a week, and that's kind of like the perfect uh, the perfect kind of like yeah I'm gonna try this out for a week and just kind of like you know move on with my life or whatever. Yeah, we definitely we uh, we make custom uh, tattoos as well. So uh, oh really? You know, yeah, if someone has a design that they want to get turned into a tattoo, we can do that. Uh, we have kind of high minimums that you have to make a thousand pieces of them so it's more they work more for kind of big events or companies or something like that but uh, we definitely get a lot of people that reach out to us and they're like oh, I've always wanted a tattoo can you can you make one of you know a star jumping through a hula hoop that I can put on my back you know yeah um, so it's it's always interesting to get those kinds of requests unfortunately we, we can't can't fulfill them but it's always fun to to hear it seems like everyone has a tattoo that they've always wanted but couldn't quite pull the trigger sure sure so we always i mean that's what one of the slogans that we came up with quite a while ago was uh who says forever is better <laughs> uh yeah and we always like to use that just because uh you know it's it's, it's more fun if you can change it out you know sure yeah absolutely. And, uh, why not make it kind of more of a accessory than a permanent addition yeah so, nearly impossible. 
How did, yes. how did, <laughs> this is a conference that you're doing. Uh, right. why, why do this? Yeah. So for us, um, you know, throughout my whole time here at Tally, it was all about just learning, you know, that every single day it was a new problem that came up that was really fun to figure out how to solve it. Um, sometimes there were more problems in the day than there were time to find the answers to. And I think that, that was really the, the, um, you know, the, the spark that led to the event that we really felt it was important to find some way to get people to share what they're learning. And the main reason wasn't a little bit, you know, selfish on our end that um, we would love to know how other companies do these things. And the really exciting thing was that every time we talk to someone, they're willing to share. So it's not like something where you go and ask someone, oh, how did you do this? And they say, I can't tell you, it's secret. <laughs> you know, everyone was always willing to, to share. And, you know, even with people that aren't, you know, us, that other people that I talk to, you know, that even just cold email, we get people, we get emails all the time that's, oh, how did you set up gift cards on your website or something like that? You know, we try to try to answer whatever we can because, you know, if we, if we had had that help in the beginning, then it would have made things so much easier. So the goal is just to be able to solve problems for people that are making physical products. And I really didn't think that there was a good solution out there for people that were looking for answers to those. That all there really is is Google, um, which can be good, but not always the best resource. Um, Google needs something to link to. <laughs> right. So you, you've become the link now. Hopefully. Yeah. So... Uh, you're, I mean, you're basically you've you've pulled this conference out of thin air, out of your imagination. Uh, how do you? I mean, and you kind of have an idea for what you want to talk about, but how do you start crafting that? Yeah, I think uh, the great thing again, going back to the beginning, um, was from that like curatorial background that I've always been fascinated with putting things together and seeing what kind of story you can craft out of them and that an event is the same thing. And that's definitely the way that we looked at the feast when we ran the feast was, you know, here eight people, even just playing around with the order in which people talk that, uh, you know, if you get this story next to this story, maybe people will start thinking about how they relate. And that's definitely one thing that we want to do with the conference is that we have, you know, we're going to have between nine, 10 or 11 uh, really awesome speakers. And, how can we put their stories together? How can we tailor what they're going to talk about in a way that it, it, you know, does something more than um, just lay information in front of them? Yeah. And one of the things that we definitely wanted to be conscious of is the idea that we, you know, we don't want to solve everyone's problems. We don't want to solve all of everyone's problems. So there's something like very magical about having to solve a problem on your own. And that's where so much innovation comes from. And that's where so many of the things that we really love in the world come from. And that's where so many of the great business or designers, uh, business people or designers have, have come from, is that they had no idea how to solve a problem. So they solved it the way that they thought was the right way, which turned out to be better than the way that everyone else solved it. Uh, so we don't want to, you know, there's no like, here's the guidebook here's how to do exactly what you know you need to do and you don't need to think at all. 
but more or less that if we could solve one problem that everyone was struggling with or that each person was struggling with, then we could provide value without taking away that magic of having to discover and learn on your own. Um, so, so that's our goal, that every person leaves having solved one problem that they've come there with. And we have a few different things that we're planning to help, you know, help bring those solutions to the forefront. The talks are kind of more general where everyone's talking about things that relate to kind of the wider audience. And um, I think that a lot of the people that are getting started will have a lot of benefit from those talks, as well as the people that are just generally curious about how these companies have been able to do what they do. That, uh, for example, like Anna Bond from Rifle Paper Company is a crazy successful stationary line. And, um, you know, that it, it's just, it's her and her husband and the team that they've put together over the last couple of years. And, They've just been able to, to be everywhere, and, you know, and just finding out what what little bits of magic are they using to um, to be so prolific within their own industry. Um, so, so there's the talks that are kind of more broad and overarching, and then on the second day of the event, we kind of have more of the focused. We have some classes, we have some panels, and we have something we're calling an expert lab, which is kind of like office hours where you can go and speak to some of these people and ask them your one question, you know, how would you do this? Or I'm struggling with this. What do you think is the best route to go? And, you know, they can make sure that they get those problems solved. Yeah, that's very, that's such a cool way to structure a conference. So first day it's speakers, second day it's actually kind of doing some stuff, it sounds like. Right, yeah, and that, that was the goal. And the one thing that we definitely wanted to do was make sure that it wasn't all people that are, you know, kind of name brand industrial designers or name brand clothing people or anything like that, that the, the level at which this conference is hoping to solve problems is more uh, kind of in the subline of the, of the conference, which is an event for people that make and sell physical products. And that's kind of where the differentiation ends. That it's not about people that are making stationery. It's not about people that are making tech products. It's not about people that are designing clothes. It's about people that have to ship, have to make and ship a physical product, and that there are so many lessons that can be learned in that space um, that we felt that we could have an event around it, and we could bring people from different industries and different levels of expertise, and still be able to educate the attendees. So. Yeah. So. Um, how many people are involved uh, doing this conference with you? Um, mostly it's, it's studio mates and friends. Um, all together we probably have around 10 people that are working on it, you know. Um, yeah. And so how, how have you been, nights a week. is this the kind of the first, you know, really big public project like this that, that, that you're leading and kind of how, how have you been kind of learning to to wrangle everyone to kind of get everyone to go in the same direction yeah well i mean um the fuse was definitely a project that was at least on this scale um yeah. and so i mean i don't think that i would have done this event had i not done the fuse just because i felt like that was enough to say oh well i've done something that's at least similar that i feel comfortable being able to execute on it sure um you know but one of the hard things is just being able to um um, material, you know, 
make sure that you know, it's not something that is all-encompassing. I am still doing my day job at Tatley, and, and Tatley is definitely supporting the event and helping out however they can. But, you know, it is definitely a nights and weekends project for me. So, yeah. So yeah. that's been a, a fun challenge. Yeah. What's the number one uh, pain in the butt thing you're dealing with right now? Um, hmm. I think finding some of the venues for day two is a little challenging. Uh, we're, we're a pretty affordable event. Um, we're like, it's like 295 bucks for two days. And, you know, some of the conferences that are going on now are $1,500 for one day. So we're, we're definitely on the low end of the budget. (laughs) So finding friends and finding, uh, awesome brands that are just willing to, to back the community has been very important and, uh, been time consuming. Okay. So what, in, so day two, it sounds like it's it's a little bit more spread out around Dumbo then, maybe. Right, yeah. So so our day one is actually in the Kiwanis. We have a really fun venue that's there. And then day two is kind of all throughout Dumbo. But we have some stuff going on at Etsy Lab, and we have some stuff going on at a bunch of other spaces around the area. Um, and, you know, just kind of coordinating all those is a lot more challenging than just coordinating one big venue for the, for the main talk day. Right. Right. So basically you're looking for spaces around Dumbo still. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, anyone listening uh, that knows anyone or works in Dumbo, then uh, email Rusty. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll we'll get you some some more space. Um, Yeah. So what I love about this conference is that you're kind of bringing together all of these different disciplines and people. Like all, all the people that you have here come from like wildly different backgrounds but i think what kind of the connective glue is between all of them is that they've been able to use uh the internet in really kind of empowering ways and kind of amplify uh kind of the the power that they have to kind of reach people and accomplish tasks that were seemingly uh, i guess uh nearly impossible um (laughs) just a few years ago yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that comes from the internet that a lot of the people that are familiar with the way that the internet works or have done, you know, even just little side projects or put up sites and just know how how um you know, how big the potential is of developing an audience have realized that they could do that with uh, a physical product. And um you know, just being able to see that by sharing something with some friends and then they share it with their friends, that something could actually take off more so than if you look at developing a product during a tradition, uh, using the traditional route that you don't need to sell it to your friends, you need to sell it to a buyer at a retail store, which is a lot more difficult um, and can be a lot more, um, you know, uh, intimidating than just uh, posting an Instagram of something that you've made, and then you know you see like, wow, a lot of people really really like that, and people commenting, they're like, oh, where can I buy that? Or I would totally buy that if you made it. You know that that little bit of positive reinforcement can be what pushes you over the edge, versus that looming fact that wow, now I need to go sell this thing. Like I made something I love, but I really don't like the idea of like going out and making prototypes and going to fairs and, you know, selling it via those routes. Yeah. And I think that's such a a great 
mentality to have because I think that that's like the really daunting thing for people at first is that they think they have to have all of these things in place to to start anything and really it's like the the barrier for entry is so low right now and if anything you know you're encouraged to make you know something small quick and if you make a mistake that's totally fine you just got to you know scrap that whole idea and and do another idea and i and i think that the the kind of community that you're gathering here like you know if you look at some of the the speakers you got, I think Anna Bond is super awesome. And, you know, you've got David Bias from the Impossible Project and uh, James Victor and and Rachel Schechtman and just all these people that kind of, I mean, that's pretty much what they do nonstop is like these really kind of quick, like, see if this works and then, you know, build on that and build on that. And But it's not that like really big obstacle to overcome like it used to be. Yeah, and it's really interesting when you think about, you know, the way that some of those companies have been able to bubble up and the way that they've, you know, just let the openness of the community guide them into the place that they've become, you know, versus something like, um, you know, a product where there's, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours of R&D put behind it and then a big launch and then if it doesn't go well, then it's over. Right. You know, then that's money wasted, scrap it and, you know. Yeah. That's the end of your company or that's the end of, you know, your division or whatever it is that this way, you know, by being more open about the process, people can tell you, you know, like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Or why don't you do this? Or, you know, I really wish that you would do this. And, um, you know, using that feedback kind of in real time to help develop things, which that's what the Internet's all about, you know, that you can put something up there. It doesn't cost much money, um, but people can use it. People can love it. People can give you feedback. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big change that's been kind of slowly working its way into the industrial design communities because we do come from those, they tend to be larger products and we're very familiar with, you know, getting stuff made on a larger scale and, and uh, you know, obviously the, the clients or the companies that we work for are usually uh, a lot bigger and kind of need to have more of a... NDA type structure around them and I you know that's what I really love about this community is just the 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 sharing and the um, you know the willingness to kind of uh, reach out to each other and and uh, and to and to build on you know something that someone else did right yeah, yeah it's really interesting there's definitely though um, you know an element of people that have gotten more success than they can handle which we see with Kickstarter all the time. Yeah. You know, that that's that's a very interesting thing to think about and um especially when you, when you think about comparing it to um you know someone from a traditional ID perspective where they have spent like, you know, months laboring over how can we produce this at scale? How can we make sure that, you know, when it does take off that we're able to handle that. That's the part that most Kickstarters don't really tackle. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for good reason that, you know, they, they go in with a goal of $20,000 and, you know, leave with a million dollars Right. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that even, even after seeing all these crazy successes on Kickstarter, you still don't think that that's going to be you. Right. Um, so there, I, you know, there's definitely a room, for those people that have those skills, which is interesting, that I feel like it's a lot easier 
for the people that are really good at doing something at scale to learn how to you know start small, do you know small batch production and play around with ideas publicly and then can scale it if they need to versus the other way around where people are very comfortable uh, playing around in the open and seeing what takes off but don't really have the skills to uh, guide it once that happens. Yeah, totally, which is, you know, which is one of the reasons why when I, as soon as I saw this, your site for Nearly Impossible, I was like, oh, well, this is a thing that a lot of industrial designers should be going to because it's a community that is doing things that we don't know how to do, but we're also kind of doing the same things and learning the same mistakes, but we're just not talking about it. And it's kind of stupid to kind of uh, leave it at that. And especially when we bring, you know, those you know, the, these, these skills to scale something and to, and to really kind of make anything in, in a manufacturing setting. It's like we really, we need to be sharing it and learning, uh, and, you know, sharing what we know with you guys and, and learn from, from you guys as well. So, uh, I definitely encourage anyone that, uh, you know, is kind of interested in this stuff or maybe they haven't even started a business yet or they want to at some point, you should definitely, uh, check this out. When um, when is the event? Where's where's the event? And uh, you know, kind of give everyone the the details behind uh, Nearly Impossible. Sure. So it's November seventh and eighth are the main two days. The seventh is the kind of the general speaker time, and then the eighth is the more hands-on workshops, labs, that kind of stuff. Uh, we do have a few things on the sixth, but uh, the main event is the seventh and the eighth of November this year, and it's all going to be in Brooklyn for the most part. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. We're expecting you know a couple hundred uh, really awesome makers from all kinds of different backgrounds, and uh, hoping that, like I said, everyone leaves having solved some you know major problem that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I, I you know, we. We've been trying to make sure that that's as, you know, uh, encompassing as we can. So that maybe you are an industrial designer who has a great idea for a product. You know how to get it made, but maybe you don't know how to sell it. Yeah. And you know, we we can help you learn about how to how to establish a connection with a customer. Yeah. Versus some people are great at that. Some people have a community. Some people have an idea, but they have no idea how to get it made. Right. Um, so that's that's one of the interesting things. Also, just bringing those people together that, you know, maybe you're the person that knows how to make things at scale and you meet up with the person that knows how to sell things at scale um, and boom, you have a great company. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I think that's going to be the other kind of big thing about this conference is just because all these crazy people are in the same room. I think there's going to be a lot of kind of interesting meetings kind of going on that if you've been looking for a business partner or a collaborator, or, you know, I think this could be a good place to at least start to make some of those connections. So, well, this is awesome. I'm super, uh, I'm super excited to, uh, for it. I'm definitely going. Um, and uh, yeah. So what's next for, for you for getting this thing out the door? <laughs> well, just working on all the details now, which is fun. You know, <laughs> it's just making it as great as we can make it. Yeah, um, uh, just you know, making the conference happen. Just a few little exactly. details. Yeah, a few little things. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we we've done some of the hard work of getting the speakers and stuff lined up, and just working on doing all the things that are delightful now. Yep. 
which is which is fun for us as well. But uh, you know, just counting down the days and making sure that uh, the audience is full and that everyone has a really really great time. Um, so that's that's our main goal right now. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I don't think you have any issue with that. Uh, and thanks again, Rusty. This has been great. Thanks for chatting. Yeah. Thanks. That's our show. I want to thank Rusty for being our guest today. His nearly impossible conference is taking place this November 7th and 8th in New York. There's still time to register. Just go to nearlyimpossible.org. Check out the lineup of speakers and events. I hope to see you all there. Be sure to also check out Rusty's day job, Tatley. Tatley, of course, makes those awesome designy temporary tattoos, and you can visit them by going to tatley.com. You can subscribe to After School on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store on your computer or the podcast app on your mobile device and search for Core 77 or After School. And when you're there, if you like what you're hearing, give us a nice review so other people can find us as well. Also on Core 77, we include show notes that link you to all of the stuff you heard us talking about with Rusty. You can follow me and the After School podcast on Twitter at After School, and you can follow Core 77 on Twitter at Core 77. After School's theme song is Introducing Today by Disco Lobos. I'm Don Lehman. Talk to you soon. Don't you forget